Welcome to Fantastic That's a good way to start your week. Happy Monday, everybody. Uh, we are here with um, Captain uh, Gabby Panicia and um, Captain, I don't know your ranks, so I'm just guessing, Captain. No, I'm, uh, I'm the janitor. That's okay. ja well, janitor has, has a rank. Somebody has to mop Sergeant. up the ship. Yeah. <laughs> Sergeant Janitor and, Matthew Stanley. Ensign? Ensign Stanley? Ensign, sounds right. Yeah, I'll take yeah. that. Like, I uh, think the guys with the... Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Ensign, and yet also professor. Actually, you're Professor Stanley. That's, that's, that's yeah, good. I suppose. Yeah. That's a good rank. Um, uh, professor Stanley representing the uh, New York University Federation, and uh, Gabby Panicia representing uh, Rockefeller University Federation, co federation. You see, if I had any knowledge of the military, I would get all this stuff much more accurately. Um, yeah, Matt, you were about to. After the great invasion of Brooklyn, you'll have uh, an incentive to do so. <laughs> exactly. Gabby, how would you describe this program, Fantastic Voyage? Yeah. So on Fantastic Voyage, we take a sort of central concept and try to see what the world around it would look like. We take our respective expertises and sort of extrapolate from this one question of, you know, what would this world that we could build around this central concept look like? How would the people in it behave and interact with this concept? And just try to make, you know, an alternate reality where on uh, What the If, the uh, founding show of the What the If network of podcasts. Um, <laughs> those are thought experiments that usually tend to break the universe. All right. That's right. That's right. Here we build worlds. And this week, we are going to a world, a world that does exist. And in fact, a world that's very much back in the news, although I don't know that this world ever really leaves the news. It's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a news hound this uh, mm -hmm. planet, Mars, uh, in celebration and in honor uh, of the successful landing of the Perseverance rover and its uh, little guest helicopter drone, the InSight, I think is the name of the helicopter. Is that right? Pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, we, uh, Gabby has come up with an idea as to what may be secretly may have secretly been carried on this rover but if not what will be on maybe the next one or the one after that and so let's go to mars and take a fantastic voyage After a seven-month journey, which we just skipped over through the magic of audio, <laughs> we are passing uh, 
Phobos and Deimos, the tiny little moons that circle the red planet. And we have our parachutes extended, and we're doing a little back and forth through the atmosphere, and... And that went very well, because it's gotten down to a routine now. You know, there's no oh, more sure. seven minutes of terror. It's seven minutes of, you know, the terror of uh, uh, now is, will your coffee spill on you as you land? Because you had to put your table, uh, your, your seat table up. See? Um, but, well, <laughs> actually, we are, let me transform us again. We, I'm, there's another level of transformation here. And then Gabby will tell us what's going on. We are now transforming from humans into marsupials. Is that correct? They are, are they marsupials? Marsup they are no, not marsupials. No. <laughs> <laughs> we are now transforming again <laughs> through the marsupial stage into mole rats. Yes. And specifically naked mole rats, right? Specifically naked mole rats, yes. Okay. Yeah. Does this mean I need to take my pants off? Clothing off. No, not not particularly, no. Although we're all going to lose a lot of hair. It's going to be a little weird oh, for right. a while. Well, that could be I got plenty to I got no, I got no problem with that. It's I, it, it's, I can't believe it's been one year since we've been in the pandemic lockdown. And so it's been a year since I've had a haircut. Same. So yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, this mole mat, this mole mat, mole mat, <laughs> this mole rat's ready to get naked. Okay. So, uh, what is the, if they're not marsupials, Gabby, would you describe, describe our yeah. appearance? So, naked mole rats are mammals. They are a burrowing rodent. Uh, they're actually native to East Africa. They make these huge, large tunnels um, in which all of them live. And really interestingly, they're actually eusocial like bees and ants. So there is a central queen who is the main sort of reproducer of the group and then a bunch of workers. And then there are some slightly bigger workers who usually defend the, um, the borough. And they're all sort of one big happy family of very, very naked mole rats. Hmm. Yeah, they're happy because they're naked probably. Yeah, you know, uh, birthday suit, no worries. So what is, what is this a teachable moment? What's a marsupial? And why is a so, naked mole rat not one? So marsupials, if I remember correctly, are defined more by their pouch in which they rear young. So marsupials uh, have, they birth their young when they're very, very early in the development stage. And then the young is reared inside the pouch. Oh. Um, very, but you know. So imagine if you had a baby after a week and kept it in your pocket and it grew. And that's, that's more of the marsupial way of doing things. <laughs> that's good. But we're naked, so of course, <laughs> we're naked, so of course, no pockets. Uh, no pockets. No pockets. It'd be a skin and pocket, which is more terrifying. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we've landed there. We've, um, we've been shipped on a rover. And the reason being that uh, we are part of a terraforming uh, endeavor. Uh, and terraforming, Matt, what, is, what, what is that, where does that word come from, terraforming? What does that mean? Uh, well, 
Terra meaning earth uh, and form meaning shape. So terraforming as an idea, uh, you take another planet and make it look enough like earth uh, that you can have picnics there. Um, it's uh, it's a relatively old idea in um, uh, science fiction and now in science uh, more generally. Um, and the uh, uh, as you might imagine, there's a lot of things that go into making a planet livable or close enough to, to Earth that we can live there. Um, and uh, uh, the, co- the question is, you know, what, you want to start with a planet that's cl- uh, relatively close to Earth, so it takes less work. Um, and that a popular choice for that is our neighbor, Mars. Yeah, close to work physically and close to work somewhat environmentally. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, the commute's yeah. not so bad. <laughs> the commute is not so bad as long as the bus only leaves every two years. Um, those are the uh, that's the period, of, uh, the frequency with which Earth and Mars are uh, at their closest. And so we mm-hmm. take this. Now, you could leave at any time, I suppose, but you'd be in for a much longer ride. Um, so uh, Mars has one percent the density of air. Well, the, the atmosphere of Mars is one percent of Earth's uh, atmosphere. Um, I'm not sure if it's made up of the same. It's, it's definitely not made up of all the same things. No, as Earth. it's quite different. Gabby, is this part of uh, your thing? Or? I would say, Matt, you take this, because I mean, oh, I know okay. only a little bit, but um, I... Yeah, so Mars, Mars has an intensely thin atmosphere, as you say, about um, uh, uh, 1% of Earth, and it's almost yeah. all carbon dioxide. Uh-huh. Um yeah. So it's uh, it's thin and crummy, and even if it was thick enough to uh, uh, keep you warm and um, feel like an atmosphere, uh, it would kill you. Um, so basically, it's that's uh, that's kind of worthless. <laughs> Although, well, 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 it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit of worth in that. Um, amazingly, Carl, this is something Carl Sagan dreamed about for a long time and suggested for a very long time for years that they would. Suggested they put a microphone on one of the Mars landers. Yeah, and, and we have the, finally done that. Yeah. We have done it. And in fact, so you can hear a few seconds of uh, little tiny gusts of wind uh, passing yep. by the microphone on the Mars rover. And hopefully we'll be getting more of that. But very, very, very thin. Nothing like what you see in uh, the movie uh, The Martian. Yeah, that's right. The the least scientifically accurate part of the Martian is the opening sequence with the the windstorm that starts the whole thing off, which is rather disappointing. Yeah. I'm sure there's all sorts of outraged um, planetologists who turned off the movie thirty seconds in. Um, <laughs> Mars atmosphere would never be thick enough. Exactly. exactly. Oh, and I just looked it up. The word terraform was first used in 1942 um, in astounding science fiction. Be so interested. That's awesome. All right. So, um, and now the rover uh, has has brought these mole rats. And so, Gabby, how are they? Um, you're um, in charge of this program. You are the lead mole rat. And uh, Matt and I are just following. Uh, we are going to, ter- we have been charged with terraforming this planet, turning Mars into Earth. And so, uh, my first question is, how do we survive our first few minutes here on the surface? Yeah, so 
Assumably, this is not Mars as of literally right now, in which case we would not. Uh, we would need little more rat spacesuits, which would make us not naked anymore, which I think is really just, you know, antithetical <laughs> yeah, to the whole experience of the naked mole rat. Um, but I'm imagining we refuse on, we refuse on just, you know, yeah. principle. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm imagining this is a little bit more of sort of like a midpoint. So in fiction, you see a lot of early terraforming efforts of, you know, we're just landing bacteria on the surface to start, you know, getting oxygen into the environment using some of that carbon dioxide. Um, or you see it at the very, very end, which is, hey, it looks like Earth now, and there's trees and, you know, everything, and it's all nice and pretty. Um, but, you know, what would the middle look like? And I, I'm thinking the middle would look a lot like a naked mole rat kind of biome. So naked mole rats are actually stunningly good at surviving in extremely low oxygen environments. Um, so in their burrows in East Africa, because they're underground and they're not particularly well ventilated, they survive at a really low oxygen content. And your naked mole rat can survive, your average naked mole rat can survive for 18 minutes entirely without oxygen and have no tissue damage. It's super cool. We're actually studying wow. them for their like tissue repair mechanisms. Whereas a human could survive what? A couple of minutes? Not that long. I actually don't know how yeah. long it is. Um, yeah, three minutes, I think. Like that, that sounds about right. Yeah, three, three minutes under extreme situations. Um, yeah. It's generally believed that after four to six minutes without oxygen, the brain starts deteriorating. But what's great. a thing that like, we experience is if you go without oxygen, your tissues start essentially getting damaged. You, mm. um, the process actually acidifies the region. And so you're kind of turning a little bit acidy, which is not great, as you would understand if you know, your blood turns to acid. Naked mole rats have evolved a lot of really ways, to, really interesting ways to get around this, including the fact that they just don't have pain sensors in their outer skin layer, which is uh. arguably the most acid. So they actually don't display any pain responses to essentially acid. Like we've exposed wow. them to that in research and realized that, oh, they basically have acid blood. Like they're just kind of living on the edge. Pretty metal. It's extremely metal. So they're, they're super cool. I went down sort of the uh, naked mole rat hole of looking stuff up about them not too long ago, which is what sparked this. And they have superpowers, straight up superpowers. Nice. So uh, they can survive. So they, we've they've uh, we've we've arrived in some kind of capsule. And yes. do you think it seems to me like this capsule uh, might need the ability to? Um, or maybe the rover needs to dig a hole and put us in the hole, at least underground. Or, should, you know, do you, because, because, uh, I don't know if the surface is survivable versus being underground where there's, there would be at least some protection, uh, at least from uh, radiation and things. Well, if this is partially terraformed Mars, we're probably pretty right. okay. But also because we're naked mole rats, uh, we're stunningly resistant to cancer. So radiation's oh. not super much of a problem. Nice. Wow. That's the way to do it. <laughs> yep. getting better. All I may not transform back. I may just stay here. Um, yeah, this sounds a great. lot of benefit. Yeah. So, how much terraformed? Uh, how far along is the terraforming project when we arrive to kick it to the next level? You think? Well, I don't know enough about like years, but I'm imagining right. there's some sort of magnetosphere, so we're capable of keeping more of an atmosphere than Mars mm -hmm. currently mm -hmm. has. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. that sound right, Matt? I'm not just yep, being on the right. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So we're able to keep more of an atmosphere than we normally would. It's probably low oxygen content. Um, 
there might be maybe some plant life that we're able to eat as naked mole rats, um, but really kind of minimal, maybe sparse. Um, it's going to look like mostly a lot of dirt, which is actually, you know, pretty good for a naked mole rat. They like a lot of dirt, happen to live in it. Um, and yeah, I'm imagining it's probably not enough to support people yet. But, well, people outside of a bio bubble. Maybe there's people living in, you know, ah, some sort yeah, of yeah. life support mm-hmm. hub situation. Yeah. But as far as just, you know, brave in the Martian wastelands, that's mole rat territory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. The Badlands. Um, in Kim Stanley Robinson's uh, exceptional uh, series on Mars, uh, one of his, I suppose, on Mars terraforming, uh, he has a series called Red, Red Mars, Green Mars, Blue Mars. Um, if I remember correctly, he begins the process uh, by basically creating a greenhouse, using the greenhouse effect in a positive way, uh, mm-hmm. if, if you think terraforming Mars is positive. And I think what they did was he, he uh, in that story, he has them plant, uh, put nuclear power plants all around the planet and start warming it up uh, by melting the uh, ice, which is off, which is carbon dioxide ice for the most part, but there's also water ice on the poles, and and that's part of the process. So, so we come, and so there's some moisture in the air, uh, and the do mole rats live on the surface, or do we immediately? We're gonna die? immediately burrow. They only tend to go out we when burrow. they forage for for food. Okay, right. Sure. So. What, what kind of food or nutrients need to be here? So at least some plant matter, which mm-hmm. I don't know too much about the climate of the specific region of East Africa that they're in, but I'm going to kind of assume it's a little dry. So they might, you know, these might be, you know, kind of hardy plants able to survive the, um, the, the drier climate of Mars and also, you know, use a lot of that, that CO2 that's around. Indeed, yeah, indeed. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So we dot now. We 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 first pop out of the our uh, capsule, and just before we dive in, we look around, and so we're seeing. It's interesting. You were you were describing like dirt. So like right now, the surface of Mars is very much like the Mojave Desert. Interestingly, or any if you've been to other deserts, it's red. Um, and extremely dry, there are just rocks and pebbles. So I'm imagining what we see, for instance, in the current panorama we get from the Perseverance rover, but you meant because there is some atmosphere, so the sky might be a little bit more blue than it is now, and there is soil. And so, yeah, I'm trying to imagine like a part of the desert. So it's like scrubland. Scrubs, scrubland. Scrubland, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so, and how how do we dig in the ground? What does a mole rat do? Yeah, so naked mole rats have some big honking teeth, and they just sort of go chomp at the ground. And uh, interestingly, their lips are actually behind their teeth, so they can shut their mouth real tight and still dig and not just get a face full of dirt. Well, nice. they get a face full of dirt; they just don't get a mouth full of dirt. Wait, that's very bizarre. Yeah, it's super weird. I actually didn't know that until I was looking really closely at a photo of one. And I was like, hey, wait a minute. That looks really <laughs> that sounds, weird. But That yeah. sounds like Alien. Yeah, like the movie Alien with the teeth come out. You know? um, cool. So we start, we start munching. Do they eat the dirt? 
or that they just, not, are they it. shoveling it with their mouth? They, they, they push it out of the way. Yeah. And so actually one of wow. the ways that they are exposed to predators is when they go to kick dirt at the top of, of a burrow. That's when like, you know, a hawk comes by and is like, oh, I'm gonna eat that. And uh, but fortunately, <laughs> you know, Mars, I don't think we have the average hawk yet. Um, uh, that's probably right. Yeah, so we are right. in we are an invasive species. We're just going to take over. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, it's, it seems like we would be the first animals on the planet. Is that right? Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that um, it's interesting because I wonder if insects would have been here already, especially for the plants to help the plants grow or something. Um, but the more rats around. sustain insects because the way that insects uh, work is that they don't have lungs. The oxygen gets to their body through diffusion. So they actually have a series of like air holes all along their body. And if you're in a very low oxygen content environment, you could probably only support very, very small insects. Um, it's actually interesting because there was a period of Earth's time when we had a super high oxygen content atmosphere. And that's when you got, you know, dragonflies bigger than dinner plates. Um, a little terrifying. It was like the super bug age. Zero out of 10 would not time travel back there, but you know. <laughs> So what uh, configuration are we in? Are we single file? Are we, you know, I don't, on mass? I, think kinda, I think we're just on mass. I don't know actually that much about naked mole rat burrow construction, uh, but I know they can't see too well. So I'm kind of getting uh -huh. the feeling uh -huh. we put them uh -huh. in front of dirt and they're going to just kind of go for it. All right. That sounds good. Yeah. And what happens now? Well, I mean, flash forward, because it's going to take us a long while to chomp through uh, that, that good old Martian soil. Mm -hmm. um, but, assumably, eventually, we are part of a, a flourishing mole rat, mole rat colony. One of, one of many, I'm assuming. They didn't just, you know, drop us on there alone. Right. Um, or if they did, you know, eventually, if they get big we enough... We are legion. Yes. Well, eventually, if they get big enough and survive, you know, other ones will, you know, sprout off. Another, uh, you know scouting party of mole rats will go off and, you know, make their own and they'll get their own queen and start, you know, colonizing ah, right. the other part of Mars. Yeah. 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 So, so we've done um, a lot of important things by this point. Um, we've churned up the soil. Mm -hmm. um, we've been exhaling. Um, so oh, we're adding oh. gases uh, to the atmosphere. And I think probably most important for long-term um, terraforming is we've been pooping a lot. Ah. Yes. Uh, um, so the You're combination, on to me. the combination <laughs> of pooping and churning up the soil, uh, the or the the regolith is sort of the, the technical term here because it's not actually soil yet. Um, is right. we have to turn it into soil by putting large amounts of organic material um, into the matrix of the the dust and the uh, you know, silicon dioxide and such. Um, so actually one of the crucial things we're going to be doing is just leaving little trails of excrement everywhere. Um, and I would imagine uh, th that would be a good start. If you just l let us run for a couple hundred years of this, um, then maybe we're going to be able to, when the humans arrive, they can start growing things in the soil. Well, so and triumph, really nicely. triumph was, the naked mole rat, uh, has arrived and said, he smokes a cigar for anyone who knows triumph, the, uh, Comic insult dog. dog. Comic insult dog, yes. Yeah. So triumph the naked mole rat insult a dog has arrived and says, I love this. This is a wonderful planet for me to poop on. Exactly. <laughs> and well, now back also, to the science. <laughs> well, what's also really nice about naked mole rats, too, is they actually have a really, they are good with plants. You know, green thumb naked mole rats. 
They oh. actually have been documented in the plants that they eat. So they eat the root part of plants, like tubers. So essentially, like, you know, you can think of like East African potatoes. Um, and they will cover back up the parts of it that ex- get exposed to soil, to, to the air, so that they can grow back through the soil again. Oh. They've basically been shown to cultivate um, these plants. And so. No way. Yeah. So, I mean, Wait, so they, when you say cultivate, you mean they, uh, they were eating it, but they don't finish it and then they cover it up? Is that yeah, what you mean? Yeah. Or? So they won't, they won't okay. eat an entire plant. So they won't, you know, you can't drop them in a, a nice, beautiful scrubland and they won't just eat it like locusts. They'll, wow. they'll sort of make sure that the plants that they need to survive will stay. And if some of them get exposed to the air, sort of like the, the topsoil of Mars by their digging, they've been shown to just put dirt back over it so that the plant can keep growing. Wow. See, that's so they may actually, yeah, yeah. They may treat Mars better than we would, actually. Yeah. So, um, and so uh, how many, so Matt, you said a couple hundred years. That was interesting. So uh, by yeah, that, that point. That, that was a wild ass guess, but yeah, something like that. Right, right. But, but this is the scale you're talking, we're talking yes, about. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And well, Gabby, you were talking about the, I'm, I'm fascinated by the, that the mole rats have a queen in the way that. I suppose uh, bees do, mm-hmm. right? Do squirrels have something like that? No, or, no. So naked uh, mole rats and a related species of of mole rat are the only eusocial mammal. Ah, oh, wow. Okay. Um, and so what, can one queen rule the entire planet or would there be many queens? I do they get along? Many queens. So okay. however... Yeah, I don't think there's precedent for that in ants. Yeah, so I think it would be many queens. Um, right. So this is, you know, maybe like feudal England. There's a lot of different monarchs <laughs> running around. Um, Good analogy. Yeah. yeah, it's also like the West Village, if I may just say. <laughs> yeah, so you know, you have a lot of different uh, different naked mole rat queens in their respective territories, hanging yeah. out. Yeah, and uh, house of mole rat, and. So what, how do they transform the environment? Like what is, what is after a couple hundred years now, because of the mole rats, what does Mars look like now? Both underground and above, I suppose. Yeah. So what I'm imagining is that the sort of stewardship of the rats has sort of increased the permissivity of the land to other creatures. So because there is a huge mass of a potential prey species, then you can start introducing something like a predator that might keep in check their rampant burrowing. Um, So in the wild, they are preyed on by hawks and also snakes. So if Mars is going to be a place of rats and snakes, um, you know, you could start releasing some some boas into the into the ecosystem, and then to prey upon the boas, you release something else, um, and eventually you can start to have a sort of supported food web. Yeah, and so with these tunnels, do we know how, how deep are these tunnels? How complex are these networks? And from the surface, would I know? That they were there, like, do they leave lots of holes on the surface, or is it like they could have an enormous 
matrix underground that we don't even could we lose track how, how quickly are we going to lose track of them um i think you might lose track of them pretty easily i think they're burrows they do have a slight mound to the top of it so you would kind of be able to see it but i'm imagining it's something like you know prairie dogs you probably wouldn't necessarily know they're there until you saw them like you know pop up from the surface yeah, so I love that the Mars orbiters, uh, you know, which take pictures of the surface, which is one person's job would at least one person's job would be mm -hmm. tracking the number of moles that um, naked mole rats that pop their head out of a out of a yeah. hole to try to keep a estimate of how many. That would be uh, a super important piece of information. Yeah, so exists, some of the, one, yeah. one of the most important people on the the Mars colony is the mole, mole rat tracker. Yeah, mole tracker. Um, mole wrangler. <laughs> <We'll wrangle. laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so take it further. What? What now? Yeah. So or what I'm else? What else exists? Yeah. Go ahead. Flesh out this world for us. Yeah. So I don't know what specific biome that the the terraformers of Mars might be going for, um, but you could imagine that based on the species that you put in an area, you can sort of reconstruct a food web. And so ecology is extremely complicated. And it's one of these things where, you know, very, very small uh, changes to it can really greatly affect the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, but I imagine you have a pretty firm base in the millions of mole rats, which now exist in Mars, along with all of these plants that they have been taking good care of. Um, so imagining that, you know, the next, the next couple of rovers after this 200-year period of, of mole rat reign is coming with some some more you know primary consumers some more plant eating animals probably also very small and you know very hardy and uh, eventually maybe some some predator species so when do we get to go out mm. well, sorry we i'm going to step back into human form mm. when when do okay. i so yeah oh great look all the animals are having fun is it safe for me to rove on Mars, can I go on a Martian safari now? I think that depends on the oxygen content, right? Yeah, it, it depends entirely on how difficult you want it to be. Um, if you're willing to wear uh, a full atmosphere suit that provides sure. all the oxygen you need and keeps you from freezing to death, you can walk on Mars right now, like Matt Damon, right? And he spends all his That's time. That's right. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If you want to get to the point where you can walk um, naked on Mars, a la the naked mole rats, right. um, that is a project of centuries of time after hard work of, uh, of mole rats and such. I've never um, perceived the uh, the goal of terraforming as being, but that's that's not a bad one. So in other really words, what it comes down to. yeah, I, I um, can imagine but, a president saying, "We will have a nude beach on Mars." by 2022. <laughs> so one of the, I mean, so this is one of the reasons that um, using critters like uh, naked mole rats to do the terraforming is really appealing in that we can plunk a bunch of astronauts down right now and yes. it takes an enormous amount of work to keep them alive. And then they work at the terraforming project for centuries and centuries, um, being unbelievably miserable uh, during that process. Or we drop a few truckloads of mole rats and lichen on the planet and wait the same amount of time and then show up and enjoy the benefits um, 
I was about to say that our furry friends had given us, but of course they're not furry, they're naked. I think the lichen um, is furrier than the, the average thing. The is furrier yeah. than the wall rats. Um, so this is, um, so like, for instance, uh, in the Expanse series of books and uh, the oh, TV series, series. Um, Mars, the, the Martian terraforming project is the, uh, the core uh, reason for being of the Martian society, right? Everything there is for the purpose of terraforming. Um, mm -hmm. And it's and it's really interesting to see uh, how the the authors think about the the structure of such a society, um, because no one alive will get to see the end of that process, right? But everybody still has to have their lives dedicated to it. Um, yeah. Whereas the mole rats are totally happy to just frolic around, right? You don't need to have some kind of pseudo fascistic dictatorship to force them to run around and poop they're happy to just no do but they might around. do that themselves you really don't know what the you know left left to their own devices on a whole planet <laughs> <Who knows>? <laughs> that's right <laughs> out, out from the watchful eye of the wildlife <laughs> biologist who knows yeah. what they'll create yeah. well i say if they have queens you know they're not they're not actually pseudo fascistic they are totally well they're at least monarchists, well, they're monarchists. monarchists. Yeah. yeah yeah um and so uh i can imagine the way this would begin would be that we don't actually need to terraform. I'm just taking one step back. So we don't have to terraform the whole planet. We just need to terraform a very small area of Mars enough to then put mole rats there. And they at least have that territory. They might grow from there. Right. That the, so it sounds like the, the modest, modest in it, <laughs> relatively speaking, um, pre mole rat, uh, terra. So mole, uh, Rat forming, mole mole rat forming, <laughs> prepping prepping the land, you know, uh, to get it um, survivable enough for for mole rats could be a project. It's basically, just that's the advance front, right? There's just a, a, a growing circle of of this terraforming, and the mole rats are then right behind and um, building up, building up, building up, building up things. So, can we come in now? And uh, by the way, the, the idea that the, the people could be in suits, as you say, even you can go there now with a suit if you can get there. Um, uh, being a part of this process would be amazing. I mean, uh, uh, we have astrobiologists now, oh, yeah. for instance, mm -hmm. but, but they're mostly involved in just looking for signs of life or w whether fossilized past life or maybe existing now. Um, mm -hmm not found yet but um i would just think gabby as a as a biologist that would just be an unbelievable opportunity in a way the you know basically not zookeeper but like uh is that called, would that be as animal husbandry which is one of the weirder well i'd imagine orders. maybe you're like a, a martian ecologist so yeah. you are yeah. they're, they're yeah. in the wild your, your job is to you know track them track the food they eat stuff like that yeah, that would it would be amazing. Or really, what we're talking about, is, I think, is a word you used before, uh, a farmer. So yeah, you know, well, farmer. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, for, I don't know, Matt. Is this something you would have, that when um, um, when the first people, whoever they were, um, whether it was the white settlers at some point or prior to them, the Native Americans, you know, first encountered areas of of the U.S. that were not agriculturally, 
you know, productive. And they began to turn them into that. Uh, was, was, was there a single technique that somebody discovered that accelerated humans' ability to... Well, I mean, so even in the most inhospitable places on Earth, you know, the, the worst deserts and such um, are still the results of uh, tens or hundreds of millions of years of organic critters, mm. plants and insects and microbes and such um, hanging out there and um, dying and pooping and, and exhaling and preparing uh, that soil for stuff that we can. Uh, such that we can take advantage of it. Um, so soil, and I say, you know, we think of it as as dirt. It is the results of vast eons of work created by, I mean, unintentional work, right? Um, right. But the results of these very long-term organic processes. So the, like I said, the the worst chunk of the Mojave Desert is way more fertile than the surface of Mars. Um, so we have to catch up to that. So the little amount of work that we do with things like fertilizers and irrigation is just the cherry on top. Um, so like if you, if we just dumped you on it, so actually this, I should say, this is, we have to, I don't, we can't avoid Matt Damon. He's just, he's everywhere, right? Oh yeah, well, um, of course. This is the, the first half of the Martian, um, is him making soil. Um, and it's because it's not just dirt. Um, soil is a, a really complicated organic structure. Um, so we have to, uh, we have to, we have to either fake that, um, as yeah. he does in the movie, um, or have our mole rat friends get started on that project for us. Yeah. Well, he uses his poop is a spoiler yeah. alert. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and then I should say he, and then again, spoiler alert, there's a, a crisis and his soil gets wrecked half halfway through the movie and but, but he's out of poop he doesn't have any more poop to make soil with and that's uh, and that drives the you know the, the drama of the second half of the movie that he's out of poop plot yeah. driven by yeah. lack of poop if you're running a poop you <laughs> yeah you, you need to get off a planet that you don't have any more poop on you got to mm -hmm. run um uh i think matt brings up a cool point though earlier by mentioning the expanse so the expanse there they talk a lot about you know engineering organisms especially plants for inhospitable environments and also to maximize food resources for people. Mm -hmm. And we study naked mole rats for plenty of reasons, for their resistance to cancer, their extremely long life to body size. Um, so for example, there is, for their body size, they should live about six years, but the lifespan of a naked mole rat is 30 something years. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, they live a really long time. Whoa. So we study them a lot to try to figure out why do they break what we think is our hard and fast rules about biology. So eventually maybe we could make these sort of, you know, hybrid Martian organisms that take some of the, you know, molecular life hacks from naked mole rats so that, you know, naked mole rats, I think go into sort of not necessarily hibernation, but sort of a metabolic kind of shutdown in periods of starvation and also just otherwise inhospitable environments. We could hardwire other organisms that way. They are also, and again, because they are super weird, they're cold-blooded for no reason. Well, not for no reason. It's because, it's you know, the, the burrows, they can just go to different levels to, to regulate their temperature. Um, but, you know, I think they're one of the only cold-blooded mammals on Earth. So we could potentially oh, give other, yeah. other mammals that ability. Maybe, maybe that help, might help them survive, you know, go into a metabolic shutdown when Mars gets super cold from a dust storm. 
and then they just uh-huh, sort of uh-huh. pop back awake once things get warm again. So maybe this ecosystem is able to be, you know, richer, faster by some sort of creative bioengineering that happens along the way. Yeah. You know what I realized too is that, so in, in um, Kim Stanley Robinson's books, that one, one of the things he uses as a sort of device, he uses to sort of uh, make this doable within some hundreds, hundreds of years, which is the time span he sort of shows for that trilogy, um, is ro- self-replicating robots, which is something we can imagine happening. Um, but even if we didn't have the self-replicating ones, um, I just had a vision of like, you know, the, our, our Mars rovers as they exist now, um, being uh, also kind of maintainers of the land, like going out and, you know, um, they could, you could put a sprinkler, right? <laughs> they could, you know, they could just, yeah. whatever, whatever, all kinds of things that need to be done on the farm. Uh, you could have a vast army of these uh, rovers going around and uh, taking care of it, which, which would be fascinating because then you, what you'd wind up with is this sort of, we'd be using the naked mole rats. It'd be a, a symbiosis in a strange way of mechanical life, whatever, machines and uh, and these naked mole rats both sort of working together with our kind of guidance. Um, now I'm just imagining things. perseverance in a straw hat. Like, yeah. <laughs> straw hat's got a hoe. Yeah. yeah. Great. And I should say naked mole rats essentially are self-replicating rovers, right? They're just... Oh. <laughs> They're self-replicating well, rovers that evolution built over the course of several million years. Um, so they're pretty well engineered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so at some point, Gabby, I feel like there's a danger here that uh, left... Un- In other words, you talked about invasive species, right? So considering... For those who don't know, just tell, what does that mean, invasive species? And what's the danger of naked mole rats basically having no competition at the beginning. Yeah, so an invasive species is a species that comes in from another area where it's not native to, and then sort of outcompetes other things that are there. Um, usually this is because they don't have any natural predators, or for some reason the, the niche that they fill is also fillable somewhere else, and they're just evolved to do it way better than another organism. Um, so for just thinking of some examples, Um, One invasive species I can think of off the top of my head are cane toads. They were brought in for pest control, um, but they are these poisonous toads in Australia that breed like crazy and nothing eats them. And so they are a nightmare. Um, Wow. Yeah, they're like a, they have like a skin toxin too. So like it, yeah, yeah, it's real nasty. I think only crows eat them because crows are smart and figured out where the poison glands are and then ate around it. Amazing. So, yeah, the whole thing about being unchecked is crazy. Now, I, I also just realized there's another thing. You're a virologist, so you, you're aware of all the kind of life that's way down at the microscopic level and far, far smaller than that even. And the mole rats don't exist by themselves, right? I assume that mole rats, just like humans, are also a traveling biome of oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. microbes. So, And they are bringing, and like in Matt, you talked about them pooping. I assume that what you mean is because the part of that is that the pooping aspect allows these, this whole, so this inner world, what, what's the inner world, uh, the inner civilization of each naked mole rat and how is it going to play a role in the terraforming? Yeah. So, so really importantly, um, 
life is a good soil, you could think about it, for bacteria. We are always colonized by other bacteria, sometimes by other viruses. And so if the surface of Mars is a little inhospitable, down underneath the soil where the naked mole rats are running around and pooping and stuff like that, you know, they themselves are good little biobubbles to incubate a bunch of bacteria, provided, you know, everything survives all copacetic. Um, There might be a problem at the beginning for a lack of bacterial diversity. So what you are bringing in is only necessarily, you know, you've had your original wave of bacteria, which are maybe just used to add some biomass to the surface, that there's something living there, something changing the atmosphere. Then maybe you have wave two, which is prepping the, the ground for plants. Then you have, you know, wave three, which is actually stuff that works with the plants. So there are a lot of really intense symbiotic relationships between plants and fungi and bacteria. And then for the naked mole rats themselves, they come with their own microbiome. Um, For example, one of the things that they have is a symbiotic bacteria that lets them digest cellulose in plants. So... I don't know how well that bacteria survives outside of a naked mole rat, but if it does, then, you know, that's like a good decay or like uh, a good microbe to help break down dead plant matter that's maybe not necessarily consumed by the endless horde of mole rats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in fact, part, part of the, of course, the, the um, microbes and things like that would be part of the early terraforming, too, the preparation stage that they arrived in, but then they arrived. Uh, you, you put out there a, a great image there that we are soil for microbes. <laughs> Never <laughs> quite thought of it that way. That's pretty spectacular. Um, Matt, uh, as you, we are in, in our mole rat form, we pop our heads, we live 30 years. So let's say, let's say only 30 years on, mm-hmm. we pop our heads up of the surface and we can't see very well. But we sort of sense, we sniff the air. Get our mole rat glasses on. Get our mole rat glasses. Yeah, exactly. We've developed glasses because we have no predators. And um, what do we see? Have, can, can we be proud of what we've done? Uh, no. Um, no. 30 okay. years is not very long. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is, the, uh, this is the problem of generational projects. Um, is... Uh, after you spend your life working on something and it does not look any different than when you started. Um, but you want to take really, you want to take really frequent selfies. So your great grandchildren. Yes. Look at their selfies and compare and they're like, Oh yeah, the soil's a little more Brown than it was when great grandpa was around. Um, that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, and then, um, over a very long period, maybe there's a, a sprout of green from one of those uh, seeds that we were tending. I um, love how you, you mentioned brown because, like, yeah, it starts out red. And so it, on Earth, if it's brown, you're doing something wrong. You know, your, your farm is <laughs> your grass is dead. But no, hey, we made it to brown. <laughs> excellent. Um, yeah, so grandchildren, great-grandchildren, you said about 200 years, that uh, 30 years each. Uh, I suppose that would be uh, how many generations? Six or seven or eight. Let's call uh, it just I, I mean, it's the, the distance from um, George Washington to us. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. Wow. So something that seems huge to us, but in the scheme of geology or Yes. Yeah, and so it's also not long enough that you have to worry about a Martian-specific species of mole rat 
Although there probably is going to be some genetic drift. They might adapt a little bit to their environment. Um, But it's not enough that you have to worry about, you know, Fallout 4-style giant naked mole rats. (laughs) Oh, that is a fascinating... So, well, let's end with this wild speculation. If there was... Uh, let it is possible. I would almost say it's very possible. Because I'm not a scientist, I can go that far. Um, that there are microbes underneath, or perhaps viruses that are in, you know, a uh, hibernating, whatever you call it, a, a defunct stage. Anyway, it is very. If life ever existed on Mars, uh, we do know there's quite a bit of water, quite a bit of water underneath the soil. Uh, mixed in with the soil, but in there. Um, once we start, uh, um, the mole rats start eating and bur- burrowing down, it is possible they will be eating um, some Martian life, right? Oh. Uh, what might happen? Is there any chance? Now, we, there's a huge, without going into all the big questions of whether this was a second uh, Genesis or not? Let's say it's totally different. It's just it's wildly different. Uh, is there any chance they would survive that, or might that become the first danger? So I'm imagining that actually the real danger is that we irreparably screw up the Martian bacterial ecosystem and we completely destroy all of these you know, Martian species that we never, you know, really even got a chance to study because we just dumped a bunch of naked mole rats onto the surface of the planet. Um, It's a very human thing to do, I think. Yeah, I don't necessarily... One of the things about, you know, the whole idea of just like instantly we get struck by an alien virus that always sort of made me roll my eyes is that, you know, viruses and oftentimes pathogens are extremely specialized to the organisms that they infect. So you might have something of a problem where for some reason you have a... like some reason, some part about your environment or your body is a good niche to grow this particular thing. But given that Mars is extremely inhospitable and that these are inevitably going to be extremophiles, like what we have on Earth with single-celled archaea near hydroth, like deep ocean um, geothermal hydro, hydro, oh God, what are they? Hydrothermal vents? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Dear, like basically near those chemical vents you probably can't ever get an infection with those because we can't even grow them in conditions in a laboratory um, because they're so specialized to high pressure, super acid, very evil water kind of situation. And so, you know, maybe, maybe there's a chance that something about the naked mole rat and its, I don't know, very acidic skin um, and its tissue acidosis is perfect for one of these Martian bacteria. And it's possible that over time, it eventually changes such that like you have, you know, one immunocompromised mole rat and one funky little Martian bacteria, and then it, you know, combines to create a problem. Mm-hmm. But I think at least for the initial genesis of mole rats on Mars, um, it should be fine. All right. All right. Well, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Do mole rats have fingers? I mean, they do. I don't know if they have enough uh, dexterity to cross them, but, you know. Right, right. Well, we could cross each other. You know, we could, whatever, make a gesture, a gesture towards uh, good luck for the for the mole rats. Um, I also is it, it, planet the fact that NASA has a planetary protection office. I've always thought was a pretty fabulous 
thing. Uh, yeah, mostly sure. meant to protect us from bringing things back, but we are going to be bringing back. So in two, I think it's in two years. Um, that's the plan. There will be another rover that goes and lands and its job is to pick up samples that the current rover will be leaving behind in little mm -hmm. uh, hermetically sealed capsules and send those back to Earth. So I also think maybe we need to hurry up uh, and just make sure we figure out whether there is life on Mars or not, because I, f I think Elon Musk is uh, admirable in many ways for his inventions and his just his, his moxie. He's a little insane, granted, but uh, I feel like I don't know. He's not going to be that careful. I think he's just going to, you know, he's kind of guy. He's just going to go there and, uh, you know, yeah, the strike is a particularly careful kind of guy. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so uh, there was going to be pre Musk Mars and post Musk Mars. Um, thank you. Well, Gabby, let's, we're going to transform back now. We're returning to Earth. We return you to your, your normal form where you are merely soil for microbes in the floor. Hmm. The music, the band freaked out. The band freaked out and they left. They were starting to play and they ran off the stage. Yeah. Gabby, do you have anything, um, any any particular resources you want to uh, mention? We will also have on our website, whattheif.com, uh, the, this episode page, we'll be getting uh, some additional resources for you to learn more about. Is anything off the top of your head you wanted to, Mention? I mean, not particularly, but I just feel like if you got curious, go look these little dudes up. There's a lot of really, <laughs> yeah. you know, we didn't really delve into, but there's just, they're super cool. Yeah. I'm going to suggest when you Google that you type the word mole rat first and not naked and turn the suggestion thing off. It's just, not you yet. don't want to go into Google with the first word being naked. I'm just saying. That could end poorly. I agree. Yeah. It could end poorly. Yeah. Matt, anything um what what anything you'd like to plug? No. Your terraforming to plans or no. No. No, it's not happening. It's not happening. Um thank you all for listening. Uh send Gabby and us questions. What 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 questions came to mind? What hopes and fears do you have? Hopes or fears? Choose one or both. And email us at feedback at whattheif.com. And let us know. How would you terraform Mars? Would you terraform Mars? Maybe you feel like it should just stay as it is. Um, you can also just go to our website, whattheif.com, and you can write to us right there on the front page. There's a little suggestion box, and you can hit send and let us know. Um, and if you do, let us know where you're, um, where are you? I'd love to know where you are in the world. What part of the Terra are you forming right now? How about that? Um, wordplay. So, Next week, we don't know. We don't know how this works. Uh, some kind of voyage will happen that I guarantee will be fantastic. Thank you, Gabby. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye.